Hey guys, can you do me a quick favor? And before we continue on to the episode in the show description, I am looking for best ways that you guys would enjoy to support this podcast, whether that's doing a Patreon model, setting up a merchandise account, doing jujitsu videos, anything of that nature, I would greatly appreciate it. So there is a Google form that is down in the description below. If you guys could take that short survey for me, I would greatly appreciate it. That way I can either get you guys more episodes because if I can find a way to support the podcast, I can get you guys more content. So anyway, thank you for that and we'll get on to the episode. What is going on everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill. Hopefully you guys all had a good weekend. Pretty crazy week in jiu-jitsu this week, man. I haven't seen a story this big in jiu-jitsu since, I don't know, probably since someone competing or someone doing something. It's pretty interesting that the jiu-jitsu community is um, pretty split on the topic of, you know, when a person gets kind of some kind of a settlement or, you know, it inter twines into the jujitsu circle. You know, um, it was interesting. I had some people that had positives to my YouTube video or their podcast that I put out. Obviously a lot of that information was released, um, before some more context has come out, you know, it's been the weekend. So a lot more information has come out about it. Um, I'm still kind of waiting to see if anything else magically appears. Cause it seems like almost every day something else came out. Some other person had some kind of rebuttal so I'm wanting to see what else comes out with that. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, there was a guy that was injured and and he got $46 million in a uh, settlement from his injury in jiu-jitsu. He actually ended up going paralyzed for, for about four months before he had some treatment and surgery. So check out all that information and just, uh, yeah, there could be more on that to come. So I'll probably be doing a follow-up. But anyway, with today's podcast, I want to jump into... The topic today is actually a, a listener's question. And so a lot of times people actually can't believe that I respond to their questions. And so I absolutely do. So if you guys have any questions, you know, I will try to make a whole podcast around it because, uh, you know, like I said, this stuff is for you guys, not, not for me. And so today's question was coming from a person that emailed me and um, they were asking about that they were, they had been training in jujitsu then they got up to, I think, a three-stripe blue belt, and they ended up joining the military and then taking some time off. And so now that they're out of the military, they want to start training back jujitsu. And they were asking, is it appropriate for them to keep their belt because they don't really feel like they're that belt anymore? Like I said, they're a three-stripe blue belt. And this kind of goes into that whole imposter syndrome, but it's a little bit different of a topic because it's more about someone who had achieved a rank so therefore now that they're going to a new school they've taken time off possibly should they keep their belt or not right and so that's kind of the topic that we're talking about now this could also be applicable if you're just changing schools in general maybe you've been training at one school for a couple years and now you're moving to another school because you know you it's a new school opened up next to you that's closer maybe some things have happened at your previous school and you want to move on for so for whatever reason that doesn't really matter basically we're going to be talking about if you're switching schools should you keep your belt and what are my kind of thoughts or suggestions or ideas that could go off that so first thing is that in jiu-jitsu everything is very 
different per school, per instructor, per everything. So there's not a cookie cutter formula in this kind of discussion, I think, which a lot of times frustrates students because they might hear one thing from a YouTube video or from somebody that I talk to and then completely different reality happens. And I don't know what to tell you guys. That's just, it's just vastly different. So I'm going to operate in the space that if you were to come to my academy or even um, through my coaching program online, I've actually walked students through this process too about what to ask and what to say and things like that. Um, so these are just all from my own personal experience and from students that have kept in contact with me and have communicated with me through this process about what I have seen. So my take is, is if you came to my academy and you walked in and, and it was this guy's story that he was a three-stripe blue belt, hadn't trained in a long time. Here's where I operate that you at one time were awarded that belt for accomplishments that you had uh, gained in knowledge and you had demonstrated in proficiency of skill, right? And so whoever gave you that deemed that you were appropriate to receive that rank, whether that's a blue belt with no stripes, whether that's a blue belt with three stripes, a blue belt with four stripes, or even a purple belt, whatever, whatever promotion that you had gained at one time, someone had deemed that you were knowledgeable enough and that you are proficient enough to be awarded that rank. And so jujitsu has a very hard time at trusting people. I think one thing in jujitsu is one reason why we like jujitsu is because it doesn't lie. And a lot of us have probably been lied to in our lives, or we're always looking for the conspiracy or looking for the real deal. And that's why we like jujitsu because there's nothing more real than that. So at times we kind of feel uh, skeptical if someone does something for me or or something like that. So um, I also, as the instructor who is now taking you on as a student, I need to trust that the previous instructor knew what they were doing as well. So jujitsu has a hard time trusting each other in the sense of instructor from instructor or trusting, you know, someone's always trying to get over on somebody or someone's always trying to do this, right? So um, I would trust that that instructor had the best intentions for you. So therefore, I'm going to let you keep your rank. Now, what's more important is their path to purple belt. If I'm using this student example, their path to purple belt. So without me, you know, being able to download all the information from their head, it's very hard for me to assess where they're at currently from either one training session or something. It's going to take a course of time to assess them. I'm going to have to train with them several times. I'm going to have to watch how they roll with other students. I'm going to have to kind of talk to them and explore and see what knowledge that they have, right? It's not something that can just be done in a one hour training session. It's something that has to be done over a period of time. So this gets to my point. If you're a newer student and this is happening to you, just be patient. Be patient that probably the instructor can't give you a legitimate answer about what they want to do. Now, here, here's what I would operate. I'll give you guys a couple of scenarios. If I saw that this student who's a three-stripe blue belt, right, so they're only technically one more stripe away, and then they would be assessed for their purple belt. If I thought that they were pretty far away from their purple belt after training for a couple of months and I had some time to assess them, then I'm never going to make them take off the stripes. I would just probably tell them, hey, this is great. You have a lot of stuff, but we need to get you caught up. There's a lot of information 
that maybe you're not privy to now or jujitsu has changed somewhat that you might be sitting at this belt for the next couple of years. So I would just be upfront and communicate that to them. But it, it might be one of those things though, that a student might come in and it might be like they're riding a bike. And after a couple of months of training, they dramatically improved and they're really not that far away. They just need to fix some holes and their timing just needs to come back. So it, it really, it depends. It depends on the situation. It depends on the student. It depends on where they came from and how much is knowledgeable, right? And each instructor has a different gauge on what that is. So uh, once again, I would never make a student take off their belt or restart or take their stripes off and restart. I would just kind of assess them and talk to them and see where they're at. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. So that's where I'm going to operate from a jujitsu instructor. I can't just say, oh yeah, they're a three-stripe blue belt or whatever. I have to look at the big metric marks. I have to say like, how close are they to purple belt or how good are they on this? And to, I'm not sure also the hiatus that the student took, they didn't, uh, I think they said they took about 10 years off. Well, depending on where they came from, what was required from a jujitsu purple belt uh, 10 years ago, I think the expectation has kind of increased quite a bit now. So there's that, that goalpost has probably been moved a little bit. So that's what I'm saying. They might have to be sitting at that belt a little bit of time until they get caught up. And then depending on you or the instructor that they go to, do they have a strict curriculum? Do they not have a strict curriculum? There's a lot of things that go into place um, in that instance. So that's where the instructor will operate. Now, if you're a student, the biggest thing that I recommend students go in there is to just be open and ask these questions. Just say, hey, I haven't trained in a while. I'm this belt. What do you guys deem for knowledgeable to get to the next belt, you know, what should I be focused on? How do you guys go about that process? You know, I want to make sure that, um, I'm proficient enough to your standards. Like guys, you, you can get a long way by pandering to the instructor. Um, I know in jujitsu, we don't like doing that, but at the end of the day, you're going in trying to train and you're wanting to find a safe place to train and you're wanting to find a place to fit inside of a community of some sort. So, you know, going in there and just being like, well, you know, this guy was whatever. I just didn't like what he said and da, 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 da. And yeah, that, that could be true. But also you have to go in there and be like open to doing things a different way. You have to be open that not every place is going to be like the original school that you trained at. And you're going to have to be open to potentially doing things a different way. And so if you can be like open and kind of pander to the instructor and say, Hey, I just want to fit in. I want to try to adhere to your standards. 
then you're probably going to get a lot further than just going in and being like stone cold and then like bragging about what your former instructor used to do and how good you used to be and how good all of this is. Like, honestly, no one cares. You're just trying to like sell yourself to the instructor. I have a lot more respect for people that come in that are trying to fit in with my school and what my school is doing versus me trying to change my entire school to fit you. Um, I think that's a very big thing that I've noticed when I've seen students move from other schools and they come in and often I know it's tough because, you know, you you've been awarded a belt from somewhere else. And so, you know, it's probably the only tile jujitsu that you've ever done, but a lot of times students have not been, you know, they don't like the way that we do it, which is, which is totally fine. You have that preference, but it's not because they don't enjoy that we have structure or that we don't enjoy of the environment. It's like, because maybe moves are taught differently or the vibe is like not killer or something, they, they're trying to make like their jujitsu fit into this, to the environment and ecosphere that we've already created. And they're resistant to change versus like, if you like the instructor and you like all the other stuff, your jujitsu might have to change. So uh, that's kind of the biggest idea that I, I would give you guys. Now, if you can find a school that accepts your style of jujitsu and, and follows in and you like that better and that's better for you, fantastic. I, I go to that place or whatever. But it's interesting. I've had people who have not chosen to train at the school that I train at because it was like I wasn't willing to make an exception for them. Right. I've had brown belts move into town or purple belts that move into town. And yeah. They're a skilled individual and most schools, you know, would beg for a brown belt or a purple belt to come train at their school because the more upper belts that you have, usually a little bit better of the training environment it is. But honestly, if you're a brown belt that can't buy into like what we're doing and you don't see it and you're not supportive and encouragement and you're just talking shit about how everything is done or you're just kind of being that negative Nancy or, or, or something like that, then I don't want you. I'd rather have a, a bunch of school of white belts that are positive and that are trying to help each other and everyone's on the same path versus like everyone just trying to compete against each other and one another. That just, to me, is it's exhausting. I've been in a school like that and it took us a long time to get rid of a lot of those people. And it's absolutely exhausting for my business owner to deal with that because you're trying to keep like clicks inside of, one jujitsu inside of an own academy from fighting with one another. And it's just, it's, it's terrible. Um, but most schools, they just, that's just how it is and, and whatever. So not saying my school's perfect. I'm not saying everything like that, but, um, just in my perspective, because I'm a gatekeeper at my school, I will, um, just kind of set those standards up front. And then if the person wants to buy in great, if they don't want to buy in, there's five more schools that are like few miles away that you guys can go pick at. I don't need to pander to every single person that walks through the door because guess what? Another person is just going to walk in and uh, I can take their money. So it's just, you kind of have to have that mindset when, when you're running a business, especially if you're trying to create a safe, helpful environment. You know, you got to adhere to your standards versus just taking everyone that, that walks in, you know, to an extent. So anyway, that is my kind of two cents about if you're changing schools, if you should keep your belt. Like I said, I would never 
uh, take away somebody's belt or anything like that, or even take away their stripes, I would assess them over time. And what would be the biggest difference would be, man, this guy might have to sit for a while at this belt, or they might be actually pleasantly surprised and might be more ready. Um, I've had it on both sides. I've actually had it to where a student was like kind of held back because they were never really consistent, but they had trained a lot at a lot of other places. So it was interesting. They were like actually much better than what their belt kind of represented. Or I've had students who have been the other way that they took so much time off that they needed to be caught up on a lot of things and they had to sit at a belt for um, even a couple of years before they were even eligible for promotion. So it just, it just kind of depends on everyone's scenario. There's not a one size fits all. But like I said, if, if I was going to give you advice of a individual, you know, be open to maybe changing things a little bit, be open that you're going to have to sit at something for a while, be open that, um, that, you know, you can have those conversations with the instructor, ask questions, be curious, try to figure out if their vibe is going to vibe with you. And if you can make the willing changes that you need to, to be able to make it to that next belt. So anyway, that's my tangent for this guy, for this uh, podcast. If you guys um, ever have any questions or content, like I said, shoot me an email. Um, I think it's in the description down below. You guys can also DM me on any social media. So anyway, there it is. That's today's podcast. Take it easy and I'll see you guys next time. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later.